Hebrews 11 this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about faith this morning. Now, just find Hebrews 11. We'll read it in a few minutes. We're going to look at, look at where we are in our series. But let me say this about faith before we start. Faith is the key to our relationship with God. It's impossible to have a relationship with God apart from faith. Uh, Tozer said this. He says that faith is the vitamin by which we get everything from God. And apart from faith, we can't get anything from God. So faith is precious. The Bible says that your faith is more precious than gold. Right? It is a precious commodity. But oftentimes we don't understand it, first of all, and then we don't nurture and cultivate it. And I think, like all important things in our lives, we need to nurture and cultivate faith. Now, <clears throat> this is not going to be the last word on faith. I think as long as I live, I'll be preaching on faith and trying to catch some other <clears throat> corner on it and express some other corner on it. It's deep. But understand this. Everybody here is at a certain place in their faith, in their walk with God. And it is important. It is vitally important. God loves it, and the enemy attacks it. The enemy goes after it, and he will gladly tear it down and take it from you. So you need to be careful of this thing called faith in your life. All right, so here's where we are in our series. First of all, God is God, and we're not. Right? If we don't understand that, we are lost in our relationship with God completely. Because the reality is, if God's not God, then I'm God or somebody else is God. And you know what? We are terrible gods. We really, and we are not in control, and we don't have the power we think we have. And when we try to be God, when we try to wear the t-shirt with a big G on it and be God in our own lives, we typically spin out into disaster. Right? If you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to accept He is God. And when we say that God is God, we don't mean that He just sits in the heavens looking down benignly on us. He's God. He controls everything in life. There's nothing happening in this world apart from God allowing it to happen. Absolutely nothing. Not a sparrow will fall from the heaven apart from God. He's in control. Some of you may not know that. You may not understand that. But if you walk with him for any length, he will show you how in control he is. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you have a being who is in complete control of everything that happens to you and around you, it's wise for you to say, okay, I recognize your power. You're God. I'm not. And learn of him. Second law... God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. Now, you know what? That, that undercuts your pride terribly, doesn't it? I mean, you so want God to need you in some way. You so want to be in a place where you, know, where, where you are of value to God, because, but that's not the truth. Now, God does genuinely use us when we surrender to him. But you know what? It's him, and it's his power. God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. Right? Third law that we said was, what God demands, he supplies. And what we were saying there was, <clears throat> when God asks something of you, he supplies the power for you to give it. God asks righteousness of you. He, he says, be holy, even as your Father which is in heaven is holy. And you say, I, I can't. And he says, that's okay, I've made that possible through my son Jesus Christ. Now don't go to the place where many people go and say to yourself, well, you know what, <clears throat> I can't, therefore it's not a requirement. 
Now, it is a requirement, and it's true that you can't, but he has made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ, for you to be righteous. I, okay, whatever God uh, demands, he supplies. And then last week we looked at this thought, that what you seek, you find. Right? You're supposed to be seeking God. You're seeking something else, you'll find that, but you know what you're going to find? You're going to find it won't satisfy you. But when you seek God, you're going to be satisfied in him. And then today we're going to look at this. Act of faith releases God's power. That's a powerful statement. And let's just talk about it for a moment before we go to Hebrews chapter 11. Act of power releases, act of faith releases God's power. You know, sometimes we don't like the idea of reckoning on this truth. But Jesus would often say to somebody, if you, if you have faith, it can happen. Like, I will do it if, if you have faith. And, you know, we think, man, that's hard. One poor father, you'll remember the story. Uh, hey, Jesus said, if you, if you have faith, all things are possible. And he said, oh, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. <clears throat> because he recognized that his faith was pretty shaky. And he, and, and he was looking for help. Really, he was expressing faith, though. Even in that, he was expressing faith. And <clears throat> what happens is that when we trust God, it releases his power to work in our lives. When we actually trust him and depend upon him, uh, we release God to work. And here's the thing. If you live your life like you don't need God, you won't see his power. You won't see it. That would be a pretty lame life. It would be a pretty lame life, but you won't, you, won't, you won't see his power, apart from coming to the place where you actually, actively put yourself in the place where you need him. You know, <clears throat> um, great Christians are people who have learned to put themselves in the place where they need God. And they do it. You read the biographies. That's what you'll find. You'll find people put themselves in the place where they needed God. William Carey, I believe it was, that said, attempt great things for for God, expect great things from God. You know what? The two actually go together. If you're going to expect great things for God, you need to be attempting great things for God. You're not going to see God do great things if you're just happy to sit and be comfortable and pass the time and live your life. But when you step out, you know, you want to know God's presence? Uh, Open your mouth and speak for him this week. Open your mouth and speak. Talk to somebody about the gospel. And you know what? He'll be there. But you know what? If you don't open your mouth and speak for him this week, you may not know his presence this week. Because Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. And he said it, directly connected to the Great Commission. <clears throat> but what you've got to do is you've got to step out, you've got to trust God, and God meets you. Now, <clears throat> we want God to make it happen, and then we're going to do it, don't we? never works that way. God wants you to trust Him, and then He steps in and He makes it happen. So act of faith releases God's power. Uh, let's read Hebrews 11. We're going to read just the first ten verses in Hebrews chapter 11. So instructive to us, this chapter on faith and on the heroes of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now the elders obtained a good report by faith. Do you realize that you're never going to get a good report card with God apart from faith? God is not looking at what you're doing. He's looking at your faith. Now your faith will obviously lead to doing. But doing apart from the faith doesn't count. It's the faith that you get a good report card from God on. 
Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now I appreciate the Christian scientists who work out for us um, the, the scientific reasons why it's reasonable for us to believe in creation. But you know what? I believe because the Bible says, by faith. And it'll be proven true by faith. We believe by faith. Um, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Now often we say, well, you know, Abel <coughs> offered um, the right kind of a sacrifice and, and, and Cain didn't. And Cain's was rejected and Abel's was accepted. But do you know what the essential ingredient of the right kind of sacrifice was? Faith. Faith is always the issue here. Faith is always the issue when it comes to our relationship with God. Um, <coughs> Um, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark in the saving, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should hereafter, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And let us pray. Father, would you bless us as we look to this great topic today. And, oh, Lord, would you help us. And would you help me, Lord, as I speak, to speak those words you once spoken. And, oh, Lord, would you help each one of us to be faced and confronted with the reality, Lord, of a need to grow in faith. And, oh, Lord, may we move and may we grow and may we understand it and may we most of all please you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> all right, so <clears throat> uh, faith is essential to every aspect of your walk with God. Every aspect, everything you do for and with God, faith is a key element in it, your dependence upon him. Now, we'll define it as we go along for you a bit more closely. First of all, faith saves. And we all know that. We got saved by faith. Um, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith saves. Now, <clears throat> let me explain, just in case you don't understand. Why do we need to be saved? Well, <clears throat> the reason we need to be saved is because we're all sinners. We've all gone our own way. We've all done our own thing. So, so, so we need to be saved. And the idea of being saved is the idea of catching somebody from <clears throat> danger. And saving them from danger. Now, what's the danger it's talking about? The danger it's talking about there is ultimately the danger of hell. Right? That because of sin, we've earned a place in hell. <clears throat> but God wants to save us. Now, how does God do that? Well, he doesn't do it by works and by things that we do. He doesn't do it because, <clears throat> you know, we decide to come to church and we decide to be nice people. And therefore, because we've been coming to church now for several weeks, you know what? We must be saved. It's not of works lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. It comes through grace. Now what's grace? Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. God giving you what you... You don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. But God gave it to me on the basis of faith. One night I realized I was a sinner. I realized I deserved hell. And I cried out to him to save me and trusted him based on his word. And he did it. Because he always does. He saves 
by faith. It's grace. He saves by faith. Faith is the key issue when it comes to salvation. By the way, if you've never been saved, don't look at your list of good works. You're looking in the wrong direction. If you've never been saved, look to him. Because when you trust what Jesus did on the cross, he paid the all-sufficient price for all of our sins, your sins included. He will save you based on that, but it's not based upon anything you can do or upon anything else. And now, here's the problem for us, though. We're very well aware that we get saved by faith. But we kind of park our faith to some extent after we get saved sometimes. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven now, and um, I'm walking with God. But faith is still what's necessary to me in my relationship with God and in a growing relationship with God. Active faith releases God's power. When I actually connect with God on the basis of faith, I see God's power at work in my life. And you, know, you may be here today and you may say, well, you know what, I don't see God working much in my life. I don't see many things happen in my life that are, <clears throat> that are really uh, from God. You know, I, I'm just doing the best I can and things are working out you know, pretty reasonably, but I'm not really seeing God do anything. Well, you know what? You're not using active faith. You're not, using, you, you, you're not in the place where you're actually trusting Him to do it. Now, that happens for several reasons. You know, sometimes we just get in the habit of doing it. We've never really come to the habit of trusting God for stuff, so uh, we, we get, get in the habit of doing it ourselves, and because we're in the habit of doing it ourselves, that's just what we do. Sometimes our faith gets hurt, because remember, your faith is always under attack. And the enemy wants to take you, and he wants to shake you loose of faith. So he, he, he will quite happily have you trust in something other than the living of God, other than the living God, and squash your faith through it. Can I have you trusting some promise that really is not for you, that you were never intended to trust in, and when it doesn't come through, you're saying, God didn't work. Folks, God always works. God always does what he says he's going to do. He never, ever fails. God always does what he says he's going to do. <clears throat> Sometimes we get it wrong. We expected him to do something he never said he would do. And then our faith gets hurt, and the enemy just loves it. And so we stop We, we stop. You're expressing faith. Let, let me ask you this. If you haven't got faith, what's the point of praying? If you're not expecting God to do something, what's the point of praying? What's the point of asking Him to do anything if you're really not sure He's going to do it? So there needs to be faith. We need to be, you know, uh, if we ask in unbelief, and by the way, unbelief's a big problem in the Bible. The opposite of faith, unbelief, is a big problem in the Bible. God deals with people, He gets upset with them over it. You know, God wants you to trust Him. <clears throat> But, you know, if we ask in unbelief, we're going to receive nothing from God. We need faith. We need to trust Him. And how you come to trust Him is you come to know Him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But, you know, it doesn't just stop there. It's not just you knowing about God. It's about you knowing Him in relationship. I know Him. I, I, I know what He said He's going to do. I, I know what he's going to do in this circumstance because that's what he said he's going to do. It's that kind of a relationship where you're, you know, you're knowing God and walking with God and expecting him to do in your life. Don't miss it. <clears throat> There's a relationship involved there. And when you have that kind of an act of faith, you're going to see God work. You ought to be seeing God work in your life every week. It's real. You know, this is not religion. You know, this is not you know, the Baptist religion that we're coming to. You know, uh, there's all kinds of religions out there. This is the living God we're dealing with. And we're supposed to walk with Him in a real way. 
And we're supposed to expect him to touch our lives. I just love that phrase in the song. It just caught my, it stirred my heart this morning. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. You know, there's a picture like a ray coming down from heaven and somebody got saved. You know what the reality is? God reaches down into our lives and changes things all the time. And we ought to be expecting it. We ought to be expecting that God's going to do stuff in our lives and change things in our lives. Now, the <clears throat> scary thing for us is he's really going to do what he likes when it comes down to it. And the reason that's okay is because he loves us. And when he does what he likes, he does the best thing. Always, without failing. Right? <clears throat> Act of faith releases God's power. Uh, God looks on the heart, and when he does, he looks for faith. What is it about you that pleases God? Don't we sometimes think, well, you know what, I did this, and I did this, and I did this this week, and I did this, and I did this, and I didn't do that, and that, and that. God's going to be really pleased with me. And you know what, we're back in a works mentality. Do you know what God looks in my heart and sees? God looks in my heart and sees me trusting him. I took a devotional the last day of school this week. It was really a, <clears throat> a tough day uh, <clears throat> for everybody involved, right? Um, <clears throat> but he brought a devotional to the, to, to the young people. And um, <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 20. And Jehoshaphat is up against the wall. Uh, they tell him that the, the Moabites and the Ammonites have co are come for you, and there's a vast number. We didn't even bother counting them. There's just so many, you have no chance. And so Jehoshaphat looks at the situation, and there's absolutely no way he can come. So he comes to God, and he says, God, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. We're looking to you. We're depending upon you. You know what that is? That's faith. That's a king and a whole people expressing faith. And you know what happens when you express faith like that? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to put it in, 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 in my terms, all right? God gets happy. I, I think we can affect God, and I think what happens is that when we express faith like that, God gets excited, God gets happy. And you know what God did? God turned the, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the, uh, the, the, the people from Mount Seir, he turned them all against each other, and they all killed each other. And Israel, who were about to be slaughtered, spent three days collecting plunder. And they never raised a sword. God did it all for them. You know what? <clears throat> God looked on their hearts. There's this beautiful picture uh, where, where it talks about all Israel were gathered and their, uh, their eyes were on him. And God responded to it beautifully. God always responds to faith. God is looking for faith. He's not looking for what you're doing. What you're doing comes out of faith. Or it doesn't really count. God is looking for faith in your heart. He's looking for you to trust him. He's looking for you to depend upon him. He's looking for you to look into his face and say, yes, I'm, I'm trusting you. You know best, and I'm trusting you. I'm depending upon you. Uh, God looks on the heart, and when he does, he looks for faith. Faith is not a one-time experience. <clears throat> now, we have the, the capacity uh, to, to, to kind of compartmentalize our lives. You know, I'm here, well, I got saved by faith. And then I did this by faith. And then, well, for the last few years, there's not been much faith, but I haven't probably needed it. Well, here's the thing. Uh, What's wrong if you don't need faith in your life? What's wrong if you don't need God moving in your life? Something is wrong. <clears throat> you see, here's the reality. In everything that we do, we, we need faith. You come to church on a Sunday morning to worship, right? <clears throat> you dress up and you come to church and you're going to worship God. You know, the reality is you can't. You haven't got it in you. We trust God. And He enables us. You know, it comes to the time when the plate's passed around and you, and you, and you think you're tithing. You can't. It takes faith. 
Doesn't it? And in everything in our lives, we need faith. Every step of the way, we are saved by faith, we walk by faith, we rejoice by faith, we serve by faith. Everything we do for God is accomplished by depending upon Him. Someone said <clears throat> that it was with one eye on heaven. Everything we do is with one eye on heaven. Everything we do is depending upon Him. Tozer talks about this. He talks about the gaze of the soul towards God. And he talks about it beautifully in a sermon. But, but here's what he says in it. He says, what happens is, it becomes the habit of our lives to gaze on him. It becomes the habit of our lives just to look to him and depend upon him. Lord, I need you. I need you. For, I, I pray about the strangest things sometimes. You know, because the reality is, I need him in all of it. In everything. In every step of the way. And so do you. And you know, we're not expressing act of faith. We're not seeing God meet us. Now that doesn't mean God just casts us off and says, okay, forget you. Um, you're, you're not expressing faith. I'm not doing anything for you. He does for us, but we miss the blessing of Him. He is the blessing. We miss the blessing of His interaction in our lives. There's an act of faith, and we need everything we do. Uh, we need that act of faith for <clears throat> All right, so what is faith and how does it, how does it work? All right, by faith, Abel. Okay, we looked at that a few moments ago. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice by faith. The sacrifice wasn't the issue, it was the by faith. By faith, Enoch pleased God. And he was not because God took him. I just love that picture. Here's what I think. I think Enoch's faith so thrilled God that God reached down and grabbed him and took him home. That, that's what I think is happening. Do you, you ever see a child? I got grandchildren. Right? Grand, grandchildren can do, do this to you. Uh, when you've when you, when you got your own children, it's kind of harder because you're busy and you're raising them and all the rest. But your grandchildren, you can look at them and listen, they can just please you so much. Uh, you want to just grab them and smush them sometimes. I think that's what happened to Enoch. God looked at him and because of his faith, God reached down and grabbed him and took him to him. I want you with me. Now, now listen, don't underestimate your ability to please God. Do underestimate how you're going to please God. <clears throat> it's by faith you're going to please Him. <clears throat> by faith, Noah. You know, listen, Noah's faith is extraordinary. <clears throat> he spends 120 years building a boat. Nobody had ever seen a boat. Nobody had ever seen uh, rain like he was talking about. And he wasn't, wasn't near any sea or anything where this boat could float. But he spent 120 years. But how did he do it? He did it by faith. God said he's going to send rain. I believe he is. And you know what? One day he and his family were very glad of Noah's faith. Because everybody else on the planet died. But by faith, he built a boat. By faith, Abraham left her over the Chaldees. <clears throat> Can you imagine Abraham leaving her over the Chaldees? Can you imagine all that that cost him? And how people looked at him and said, You're mad. You are crazy. What do you think you're doing? You got a good here. Why are you going out? You don't know where. You don't know what. Why don't you get him to send your map or something before you do it? But by faith, he left. By faith, Isaac blessed his boys. Now, by the way, that's interesting. You know, we've got a couple of <clears throat> a, a couple of the by faiths in Hebrews chapter eleven are actually tied up to somebody dying. You know, what faith do you express when you're dying? You know what? Isaac knew the promises. And by faith, he blessed Jacob because he knew the promises were going to come through. He knew God was going to make a mighty nation out of these people. 
He knew God was going to do something great. And you know what? If I was Isaac, I'd have been pretty discouraged. You know, I looked at Esau, he's marrying all these Canaanite women, and he's just, just ruining the peace of my home. And Jacob, he's such, he's such a, <clears throat> a, a trickster. You know, he's such, uh, <clears throat> he's always kind of conniving. You know, I, I'm really not happy about this whole thing. I'd, I'd have been really discouraged if I was Isaac. But you know what? He blessed them. Because he said, God's made a promise, and he's going to keep it. It's going to work out. I think sometimes we forget God, don't we? Sometimes we look at our situations and we think, oh no, we're all going down. And we forget God. God's in charge. You've got promises from God, hold on to them. They are powerful. I, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. You know, <clears throat> Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph by faith. You know, it wasn't looking good then. They were down in Egypt and it wasn't looking good, but by faith he blessed them. Joseph is absolutely amazing. By faith, Joseph... At the end of his life, you know what he said? He said, don't, take my bu- don't, don't bury me here. Because God said you're going to the land of Canaan and I'm going with you. I may not be alive, but I want you to take my bones at least. You know, Jake, Joseph's bones lay in a box in Egypt for 400 years. And then what they did was they saddled him up on the back of an ox cart and they took him all the way to Canaan and they buried him in Canaan. Now, how, how is it by faith? By faith, he could see what was going to happen 400 years from now. He didn't know it was 400 years, but he knew it was going to happen. And why did he know it was going to happen? Because God said it was going to happen. And he trusted God. He expected it to happen. Uh, by faith, Moses' parents, they saw he was a proper child. They saw he was, he was a child uh, that God was going to use. And you know what? They risked their lives. They protected him for three months. They put him out in the, uh, in, uh, on the Nile in that little basket of bulrushes expecting God was going to do something. You know what? Those by faith. By faith Moses. And we'll look more at Moses in a second. We're going to kind of dissect part of Moses' life and deal with that as far as faith is concerned. By faith the people. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. You know what? <laughs> Wasn't that a dumb deal? I want you to walk around for seven days. And then on the seventh day I want you to walk around and just blow the trumpet. That was the, that, that, that's the craziest battle plan I've ever heard of. We have an army here and they're all ready to go. All the guys are muscled up. Their swords are sharpened. They are ready to go. We're going to take this land. God's given us this land. We've got to fight for this land. We're going to get it. We're going to win. That was the craziest plan I ever... And you know what? When they sounded the trumpets, the walls all fell down. Do you know the walls would still be standing if they hadn't expressed faith and done it God's way? They wouldn't have won that battle. Faith was the essential ingredient in it. By faith, Rahab <clears throat> protected the man and went from being Rahab the harlot to being Rahab the, <clears throat> uh, the, 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 uh, the woman in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith. Why? Because she knew God was going to do it. Now, <clears throat> why did all these people do it? Because they were expecting a reward. Let's look at the verses, and then we'll talk about that. Hebrews 11, verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know what? <clears throat> Abraham wasn't looking to build a house. He expected God had one built for him. Yeah, he never did own a house. The only piece of land Abraham ever owned once he left her over the Chaldees was the cave of Machpelah where he buried Sarah. That was all he ever owned. But you know what? He expected that God would build him a house, and God did. 
God did it. Uh, Hebrews 11:16. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. God had. Listen, God gives us promises in the Bible. And, and, and let me say this to you. Some of you here are so pious and so spiritual that you think, no, 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 I'm not going to serve God for rewards. I'm going to serve God because I love Him. You can't. He made you and He knows what you're made of and He has put rewards all the way through the picture. He made you that way and He made you to look to the rewards. And if you don't look to the rewards, what's going to happen is you're going to short circuit. The rewards are important to the picture. God has a plan for your life, and He plans rewards as part of them, and He wants you to look to those rewards. <clears throat> he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We need to understand that our God is a rewarder. So why did these people serve God the way they did? Because they expected a, re- a reward. They were farsighted. They expected a reward. If we were to talk to Abraham today and say, Oh, Abraham, you know what? Very hard for you. You had a hard life. You know, you left your other Chaldees. It was a comfortable life. And you lived in a tent for, your rest, for the rest of your life. That, that, that was hard, Abraham. He'd say, Oh, no. No, it wasn't hard. But, but Abraham, you know, listen. You know, <clears throat> um, Isaac, that day that you went to sacrifice Isaac, that must have been a terrible day. And Abraham would say, No. And if you ask him, why? Why do you say that he would say, look at all I've got now? Look what God has done. It was more than worth it. It always is. That's why the roll call of faith is recorded for you. So that you look and you say, all these people did it and it was worth it. and I can do it too. I can, I can trust him too. I can walk with him too. Faith is moving against the tide. Now understand this. Everybody's not going to applaud your faith. They are not going to applaud your faith. Everybody's not going to look and say, Oh man, you're, you're wonderful. You know, sometimes when we're knocking on the doors, people say, Oh, I wish I had your faith. As they go back to watching Coronation Street. <clears throat> Listen, no, they don't. They don't want it at all. They just think you're mad, but they're trying to be nice to you on the doors. Right? <clears throat> and you know what? When you express faith and trust God... Everybody's not going to agree with it. They're going to look at you and say, what is it with you now? Can't you be satisfied? Can't you be happy? What do you think you're doing here? <clears throat> it is moving against you. You can expect opposition. You can expect opposition from the world, but you know what? In my experience, the opposition from the world is not nearly as <clears throat> intimidating as the opposition from unbelievers when you, from believers when you start to do something by faith. You've got to be careful. Faith is always going to mean you, mean you moving against the tide. It is always going to be that way. <clears throat> you see, when you find these people that were people of faith, you know what they were? To a man and a woman, they were people who heard from God and ignored all the noise. They knew what God wanted and they silenced all the noise around them. They just did what God wanted them to do. They just, they just served God. They separated themselves from the world. They heard from God. They depended on Him by faith. And they saw great things happen. Because that's the kind of God we serve. But He's always going to find that it's a moving against the tide. Secondly, or thirdly, faith is for all, not just for special people. 
Don't we like to think, well, you know, I, listen, I'm just an average Joe Christian. I go to church on a Sunday morning, you know, and I try to live a Christian life as best I can, you know. I, I don't want to get too deep into this whole thing because I have a family and, and I have a job and, you know, I have all these things going on in my life that I need to do. And, I, I, I you know, I really don't want to be, you know, too involved. And I don't, I, I don't want to be ridiculous about this, the whole thing. I, I don't want to be, you know, expressing faith in, <clears throat> in great ways. Let me tell you, you're missing out. You're missing it in two, two, two ways. First of all, you're missing out on the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is not for you to make a living. The purpose of your life is not just for you to raise a family. It's important to make a living and it's important to raise a family, but that's not the purpose of your life. You're missing out on the purpose. Secondly, though, you know what else you're missing out on? You're missing out on the dynamic interaction of God in your life. It doesn't mean you have to give up your job. It doesn't mean you have to do anything crazy like that. But walking by faith is going to put you in the place where, you know what, <clears throat> you're doing what he wants you to do. You're making decisions based upon what God wants you to do, not based upon what you want to do. <clears throat> walking by faith is going to put you in a whole different place, and it's for you. It's for you. Listen, it's your faith that's going to please God. When you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, <clears throat> he's not going to ask, well, how much money did you make in your lifetime? Wow, that's amazing. You know, <clears throat> he's not going to ask you, you know, <clears throat> how much time did you spend looking after your house? And uh, did you keep your car well? He's not going to ask you those things. He's going to ask you, how did you trust me? Trusting and obeying. Trusting me and doing. How, how did you go with that one? And, and, and it really won't cut it for you to say, well, you know, I was busy. I had a lot to do. No, no, not, that's not going to cut it with God. God wants you to trust him and obey. Trust him and obey. Are you doing that today? It's not just for special people. You decide you're going to trust him and you're going to obey and you're going to grow. There's, <clears throat> there's no way around it. You're, go you're going to grow. Then definition of faith, right? <clears throat> Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance means the essential nature of things. The substance of stone, somebody would tell us, you know, is kind of granite, and they would give you the substance of it, right? The substance is the essential nature of things. Evidence refers to legal proof in a courtroom. I can bring the legal proof that this happened in a courtroom. So here's, here's what your definition of faith is. Faith is proof to the soul of things that cannot be seen by the naked eye. It is proof to the soul. Noah built a boat. Why did he build a boat? Because he had proof to his soul that it was going to rain, and it was going to rain hard, and if he didn't build a boat, he was going to drown, and his family was going to drown. So he had proof in his soul. He had faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do, and therefore, he was going to build a boat. <clears throat> Somebody else said this, Faith is outrageous trust in God. Outrageous trust is what you have when you build an ark hundreds of miles from any body of water. Outrageous trust com compels you to leave your home not knowing where you are going. And outrageous trust sends you into the Elah Valley to face Goliath. That's outrageous trust. Think of David going to face Goliath. Did he have to do it? Because it's not my job. You know, all, all, all these guys are bigger than me. Look at Saul. He's bigger than all the rest of us. It's his job. It's not my job. I don't have to do it. But outrageous faith... He went, out in, he went out to fight Goliath in a spiritual rage. And his spiritual rage was this, how dare he? How dare he defy the armies of the living God? Doesn't he know who our God is? Well, I'm going to show him who our God is. 
And he fully expected to come back, but he didn't care. He was going out to teach that guy a lesson. Because there was no... That's outrageous faith. I mean, Saul didn't have it. Saul, listen, listen, he can't go out there. He's only a kid. He put my army, my armor on him. <clears throat> you know, um, anything but actually go and do the job himself. And, but David's outrageous faith, outrageous faith is what, the, what caused the stone to go straight through. Outrageous faith is what took a slip of a boy that, <clears throat> to take a sword and take the head off this giant and win the day for Israel. That's outrageous faith. Now we're called to outrageous faith. We're called to trust God. Listen, it is impossible for you to trust God and God to say, I wish I hadn't done that. You know what? I, I don't think I can come up with the goods to meet that one. You know, when, when, when David marched out on that field with his slingshot in his hand, I think God got happy again. I think God got happy. I think God was excited. I think something was happening in heaven as well as on earth at that point, and there was no way God was going to fail David. God never fails your faith. Sometimes you get it wrong, but God never fails your faith. When you trust God, God is always going to be there. Uh, <clears throat> have you ever been in a situation where you needed outrageous trust in God? Have you? Or do you live your life on such a comfortable level that you never get beyond what you can actually do? And you really don't have to trust God for anything at all. You're just okay. Everything, everything is kind of going okay. Everything is going along smoothly. And you live your life in a place where you don't have to really trust God at all. That's a sad life for a believer to live. That really is. <clears throat> now, let's illustrate this with Moses. We need to do it real quickly here, right? By faith, Moses, uh, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. All right, now listen, in five words, we're going to look at Moses' life. Right? First of all, he refused to be called the son uh, of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. No, I'm not going to be called that. <clears throat> Listen, I look like one of you. I dress like one of you. I speak like one of you. But I'm not one of you. <clears throat> I am not one of you. Now, that was a really foolish choice. He had it made in the shade. He was the son of a king. He had an enviable position. He had his life set up for him. Some say he might even have been Pharaoh someday. He had it all made, but he said, no. I'm not having it. Faith. Faith wouldn't let him stay in that comfortable place. Um, by faith, he chose to be identified with the nation of Israel. And that was a dumber decision. All right, if you're, not going to be, if you're not going to be a prince, that's fine. But why be a slave? They're losers. They go nowhere. They have nothing uh, on their side. Of, we rule over them. We, we tell them what to do, and they do it. And if they don't, we make them. Why would you want to be one of them? But he chose to be one of them. <clears throat> he esteemed the riches of Christ to be greater riches than the riches of Egypt. What does that mean? You know, was, was, was Moses looking at the situation and saying, you know what, I'll be a greater king when I go with Israel. Now it wasn't looking very good and it never got very good really. 
And he never became a greater king. He never had a greater position in life, you know, in terms of comfort and luxury and, and all those things than he had at that point when he left it. But somehow he could look at it and he could say, no, I'm, I'm one of the children of Israel. I'm a child of God. I'm going to walk with him and depend upon him and live for him and he is going to reward me and it is going to be better for me to do this than it is for me to live this way. He esteemed the riches of Christ, greater riches than he had. He esteemed the reproach that he was going to face with the children of Israel greater than what he was going to have. He wasn't going to hold on to it. If he had respect unto the reward. You know what? He was spiritual. He looked for a reward. You know what? He waited up. He did, this is what he did. He waited up. And he said, okay, I'm a child of God. I'm supposed to live with the children of God. I'm supposed to be one of them. <clears throat> I can stay here as a king and have a happy life, an easy life, comfortable life. I can have all this. But you know what? The reward God's going to give me in the end is going to be better. So he had respect onto the reward. He had respect. <clears throat> and then finally... He forsook. He walked away from everything he had. Somebody put it this way. That Moses committed career suicide. He made a decision that just destroyed all his options, all his possibility. You know, he was never going back. There was never going to be, listen, I'm sorry, can I have my old position back? He, He committed career suicide. He just forsook it all and walked away from it. But he didn't do it for nothing. He did it by faith. Now, I wonder this morning, how tied into the world are you? We'll look at the faith of a Moses. Now, God may never ask this of you. But he has a clear right to ask it of you. Because he's God and you're not. He's in charge and you're not. He can ask anything he wants of you and expect you to do it. Look at a men's Sunday school class at how we know the will of God. How, what, in order for us to know the will of God we've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice and we've got to not be conformed to the world but transformed by the renewing of our minds that's what it says in Hebrews 12 1 and 2 to know God's will you've got to be willing to surrender yourself to know God's will <clears throat> Moses was willing he laid it all on the line and he said Doesn't, listen I have more in Christ than I could ever have now was that just for Moses Or could that be for you? Let me ask you another question. Do you think the roll call of faith is finished? Do you think since the last entry in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, God may have been adding, not to our Bible, but to the roll call. Do you think there may be names getting added today? God wants to add your name to it. And the people you find in that roll call of faith are just incredible. You have kings and you have harlots. You have all walks of people. It's not just limited to a certain class of people. The limitation, and the only limitation, is those people who have faith those people who depend upon God, those people who walk to God, walk with God, depending upon Him. Alright, conclusion, real quick here. Faith is not a feeling, but a conscious choice to believe what God has said. Anchor your faith always in what God has said. 
Now, sometimes you'll get it wrong. God will show you, and you just backtrack. You just say, Lord, I got it wrong. How do you know when you've got it wrong? Because when you trust God for something and he doesn't do it, you got it wrong. It's as simple as that. But anchor your faith on what God says. And by the way, what's ha- what happens in my life is, I, <clears throat> I anchor it on what God said, but I, I misinterpret what God said. And I have to unravel it. Anchor your faith in what God says. God never fails. You can trust him. <clears throat> it's a conscious choice to believe what God has says, said, and believing what God says, then you step out and you do it. That's faith. Right? <clears throat> Secondly, faith acts even in the face of doubt and opposition. Just because somebody else says he's not a good idea. Just because some bright spark wants to talk you out of it. No, faith acts even in the face of doubt and opposition. You still do what you know God will have you to do. Uh, <clears throat> when you come to the end of everything you know and you're faced with the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing one of two things will happen. Either there will be something solid for you to stand on or you will be taught how to fly. That's trusting God. But listen, what other people say is not what, what counts. It's depending upon God. And finally, faith sees what others do not see. Faith sees what others do not see. Let me illustrate that for you real quickly. When you got saved, you saw something, and you said, yes, Lord. And then you told other people about it, expecting them to see it too, and they couldn't see it. Faith sees what other people can't see. Expect that. When God brings faith to you for something, you trust him with it, and you're going to see things other people don't see. Philip Yancey said this. He said, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. God has called us to a life of faith, to a walk of faith. To live with him, depending upon him, expecting him to do great things. He has not called us to hold the fort. He has called us to step forward in power and to trust him and to expect to see great things. And those who attempt great things for God see great things. See God do great things. Now I wonder this morning as we close... Where do you stand in this walk of faith thing? Are you open to what God would have you do? Or are you just comfortable, coasting, relaxed? Let me ask you, are you saved? Have you come to that place where you've put your trust and your faith in him and he saved you? Where do you stand this morning in terms of this walk with God? Are you willing to open yourself up this morning and say, Lord, I want to walk with you in faith. I don't know what that means, Lord, but I'm sure you're able to show me. And I'm depending upon you to show me. You want to do that this morning? You'd be amazed at what God could do in your life. Remember Rahab the harlot? She wasn't thinking of being anybody great in the Bible. But she trusted God. And she was. Now, God could do it in your life. Think I could do something in your life, too. Let's trust God. Let's stand for prayer.
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being able to know you, the, the living God who knows all things and has all power. And, oh, Lord, we thank you for building faith in us. And, Lord, we look to you, Lord, to do an even greater work. Lord, would you take this little church and, Lord, would you build faith in the pews, Lord? Would you take each heart and uh, draw them into a deeper trust in you? Would you have us to trust you for souls, Lord? Would you have us to trust you for finances? Would you have us to trust you for doing great things that you want to accomplish? Lord, I do pray, Lord, that you would give me a greater faith, a faith to trust you, a faith to walk with you, a faith to lead your people. And, oh, Lord, we do ask you, Lord, would you give us faith for revival, Lord? Faith to see you move in a mighty way in this church and outside this church that, Lord, a multitude of souls might be saved. Lord, would you undertake for us? Would you do a great thing, we pray? Lord, we look to you. We depend upon you. Would you undertake for us? In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, there is no invitation. The invitation is to trust him this week, to depend upon him, to look to him and seek him.